Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Good Grief. My name is Dr. Christine Malone, and in this podcast, we talk about trauma, tragedy, and survival. In each episode, I will interview someone that has gone through grief in some way, and we will discuss the impact it has had on their life. By sharing these stories, we hope that others won't feel alone should they be going through similar situations. Enjoy. Okay, listeners, thank you so much for joining me for our podcast today. My guest is going to tell us uh, the story about the loss of her newborn baby. So if guest, if you would like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you and then tell us your story about your daughter. Of course. Hello, everyone. My name is Crystal, like the precious gem I am. Webster, like the dictionary, not the grill. <laughs> and now you will probably never forget my name. Um, I call myself the co-founder of Sharing Solace. Um, and my story is just like you said, um, the loss of my daughter, my, my only child, Madeline Elizabeth. Um, it happened in 2010. Uh, it was May 1st, 2010. And I went into the doctor's office. I was about 32 weeks pregnant. Uh, with our first and only child, went into the doctor's office for what we thought was a, you know, routine ultrasound, no big deal, just um, kind of, you know, playing the waiting game now. Um, and, you know, sat down, got the jelly on my tummy and all that good stuff. And looking around, looking around, and the technician was kind of being extra quiet for whatever reason. And then she said the words that I don't think any, any parent should have to hear. Um, I'll be right back. I got to go talk to the doctor. And I don't know, she could have been gone for five minutes or five hours. Time completely vanished to me. And she came back and said, um, so your doctor's in a building across town. She's waiting for you and wants to talk to you. So go find her. Um, so my husband and I drove across town. And that's going to be my question. Were you, were you by yourself or your husband was with you? Yeah, my husband was with me. Um, just kind of by chance, actually. Um, and we had both driven to this appointment separately. So my car stayed there. Uh, cause my husband being the smart man that he is was like, you're not driving yourself anywhere at this point. <laughs> um, so we drove across town and, um, at this point it was well after five o'clock and we were immediately ushered in that, you know, the, the doctor un or whoever unlocked the door and let us in and put us directly into a, a room and, the doctor walked in and her eyes were red and puffy and you could tell she'd been crying. And basically she said, we don't know, we don't know what's going on, but this is not going to end well. And that's, that's tough news to hear for sure. Yeah. And, and we were pretty much stunned, you know, I, we weren't prepared at all. You know, we thought we were just going in to see our little baby and, and 
and just enjoy our time. We didn't, we weren't thinking anything at that point. Um, so we spent the next, let's see, that was May 1st. So we spent the next uh, 18 days uh, pretty much in and out of doctor's offices, specialty offices, and just the regular doctor and in and out of hospitals, um, trying to get second opinions and just see what was going on. And basically we figured out that we didn't know what was going on and we wouldn't know until our baby was born. And we didn't know if she would be born uh, alive or if she would be stillborn. Um, we just kind of had to wait and hope for the best. Um, our doctor was gracious enough to say, you know, we're going to bring you in every couple days and check you out. And But at some point, this is going to become unhealthy for you to continue this pregnancy. And at that point, you're going to have to have a C-section. But until then, we will allow you to, you know, continue to, to continue to carry her. Um, and so checked in to the hospital early, early morning hours of May 19th, 2010. And uh, gave birth to Madeline Elizabeth Webster uh, late in the afternoon on that day. May 19th, she was born alive. Um, she was held her entire life. And she died the next day, May 20th, 2010, in my arms. Um, and honestly, if I had the opportunity, you know, if I get the opportunity, dying in my mother's arms is about the best way to go. I agree with that. My my, I share with you that my son passed away, and I was with him when he passed as well, and it was very special for me. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I wish she didn't die. Oh, I know. Yeah, absolutely. and 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 also, if if she had to, I feel like that was the best way for her to go. Um. So yeah, um, her life was very short, but very meaningful. She got to meet all the important people in her life, all of her grandparents, all of her aunts and uncles, um, many of her extended family that was in town. Um, and she was just loved on her entire life. I don't think she was set down for, I think she was set down long enough for the the scale to register her weight and then she was instantly picked back up. Yeah. So I, I, the question I have for you is to tell us a bit about, you know, how that loss uh, impacted your life. So kind of obviously from the start, I know there's, there's really no descriptions, you know, numbness, you can't really think about anything, but then kind of how did that uh, progress for you uh, to a point where you could be, you know, mentally healthy again? Well, at first I was, you know, a shell of a shell of a human um, going through the motions as as few motions as humanly possible. Um, good, bad or indifferent, my C-section incision had opened up. 
so I was put on bed rest and I was stuck in bed. Um, and in my convoluted brain, I thought, well, the longer that I am physically broken, the longer I can be emotionally broken. And, and so it took a very long time for that to heal. And I, I almost never wanted it to heal because one, that was the connection I had with my Madeline. And also once that healed, I felt like the world wouldn't let me grieve anymore. And, and I know now that that's not accurate. Um, but that's how I felt at the time. Um, now you said you had family around you, which is, um, I'm sure was comforting to you. Um, but I'm, I'm curious to know, uh, things like your, when you're out in your regular life, I mean, obviously people think, you know, they, they see you're pregnant, they know you're pregnant or maybe you had a baby shower already or so on. It's kind of, how did you, how did people kind of react to you after you lost your daughter? And, um, what I really am getting at is, you know, what, how for people will learn how they should respond to a friend or a loved one that has this happen to them. So, um, can you share a little bit about, you know, kind of your experiences with the people around you? Um, yeah. So I remember we found out Madeline wasn't going to survive on like, I don't know, a Monday and the following Saturday I was supposed to have a baby shower. So I remember, you know, you don't sleep. I couldn't sleep. So four o'clock in the morning, whatever, I'm emailing my friend and was like, you know, baby's going to die. Baby shower off, I think was the entire email. And I couldn't, like, I knew I couldn't get those words out verbally, but I needed her to know. And I couldn't even write more than that in an email. Um, but you know, that that's, that's what I needed to do. Um, I don't really remember a lot of people, you know, knowing that I was pregnant and then asking after the fact about losing the, the baby, losing Madeline. Um, I do remember getting a lot of questions because, uh, you know, I was very slow moving and um, for a little while, like my mom would just come and pick me up and we'd go to Target or Walmart or wherever just to get me out of the house. And she'd put me in a, you know, one of those uh, scooters that just kind of drove because I couldn't walk that far. Um, and people would, okay, what are you doing? What's going on? Um, and so I'd sometimes have to share those stories or, um, I do remember going to the dentist and her asking and, you know, breaking down in the dentist chair. Uh, it, it's funny now. It, it was not funny at the time. Um, yeah. And I know, um, from my own experiences as well is, uh, people are very uncomfortable talking to someone who's had such a tragic loss in their life. 
um, a lot of people are. And I, I know, I mean, if you were to say my, my grandfather passed away, you know, people are going to talk about, you know, what, um, how was his life? But, but when you say my baby passed away, it tends to be a conversation stopper for yes. a lot of people and which is unfortunate. Um, and it's, as I was talking to you about before we started uh, recording a lot of why I do what I do with this podcast is to get these stories out there. So people know that there are things that you can do uh, for your loved one. So your mom taking you out of the house, I, I would say that was probably a very healthy thing for her to do. Mm-hmm. Go on and, and I'm grateful that you had that support um, for you. So how about um, your, you and your husband? So um, I'm sure you're aware of the statistics of marriages that don't survive after losing a child. Um, yes. and, and and we all grieve in very different ways. And so your spouse is probably grieving differently than you are and 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 so on. And, and a lot of times there's just no conversation about it, which is probably why the relationships end. So how did that go for you? Were you two able to help each other or were you on different planets at this point in time or how did that go? So luckily or unluckily, we had had some um, stuff we had to work through before this. We had moved from our hometown. We're both from the same hometown. We had moved from our hometown basically clear across the world and had no one and knew no one. And so we really had to rely on each other. Um right before Madeline died. And so we had kind of learned to figure it out and then moved, moved back home and, you know, thought everything was on track and then Madeline. Um, And so we kind of knew how we worked together for the most part, but we did both grieve very, very, very differently. I am a sitter and a thinker when it comes to grieving and he's a doer. Um, I could sit and stare at a blank TV, like a a TV that's turned off um, for hours at a time. And he would, I think he rewired the house one time and he rebuilt a car engine and just, you know, just did things to do things. And at first we both thought the other one was doing it wrong. You know, you're grieving wrong. Let me teach you how to grieve. Um, But we quickly learned that, no, this is how I do it. And that's how you do it. And let's split up and grieve a little bit. And then we'll come back together and kind of talk about it a little bit. And, you know, we'll spend time apart. We'll spend time together. We'll spend time alone and we'll spend time alone together but it was, I don't want to say touch and go because it wasn't necessarily touch and go, but it was very much a learning process. Yeah, I, I certainly understand that. Um, so you shared with me that, you know, you, after Madeline died, you actually wanted to die yourself. Um, and again, I completely understand that. So how did you get from there to um, a point where you could live again and I by that I mean live a life again and and enjoy things um and so on how how did you get there was it a, a process you had to focus on did you use counseling I mean how how did that work for you um all of it honestly I first I had to hit rock bottom and I know it's kind of cliche to say you know you got to hit rock bottom before you can start your way back up 
but I, I really got to the point that I was like, okay, I got a fish or cut bait here. I got to, I got to live. I got to decide to live or I got to decide to die. And honestly, I was too chicken for one. So I'm here with you today. Um, and I said, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to sit, if I'm going to live, I'm going to live a life worth living. I'm making myself miserable. I'm making everyone around me miserable. Um, you know, my Madeline wouldn't want me. Like, there's no possible way that she would want me to live the rest of my life like this. So once I kind of hit bottom and decided, okay, I'm going to live a life worth living. I started taking baby steps. I started doing the bare minimum to feel like I was making progress. And, and honestly, the very first thing I started doing was writing in a very small journal. Um, right before I went to bed, I would write down things that I did right that day and things that I was grateful for that day. Because I, in my mind, everything I did was wrong and everything was bad. And, you know, the world was against me and and I realized that if I looked, and sometimes I had to look really hard, but if I looked, there were things that were going right in my life. Yeah. So concentrating on the positive, I mm -hmm. guess I would say is, it sounds like. So um, so what have you done? I know you're, I want you to talk about your website and your book, but what have you done that that has really helped you feel like you've made some sense of this? Um for me, I call it my small silver lining. You know, how do you, you know, feel like, you know, sharing your story or what is it that, that works for you um, to really kind of process and, 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 and get, you know, around what's happening and, and honor your daughter at the same time? Well, I think one thing that would have helped me begin to process even earlier than I did was, would be community. I wanted my grief to be the best grief or the worst grief. And I was constantly like pitting my grief against others grief because that was just kind of how my mind worked. But also if, if I would have just allowed myself to realize that there were so many other people in the world that are grieving so deeply and just say look this this is terrible for all of us let's just all hold each other and try to lift each other up and you know realize i'm not alone and quit trying to be alone in my grief i think i would have began the healing journey a little bit faster um yeah. So that leads me to uh, thinking about, you know, if you were, or if someone listening was in the same situation, so they lost a child um, and how, how, what advice would you give for them to get to a point? I mean, what, what would that be? Right. And how, how would you word that? I would say find either an organization or a support group or an online group 
or a forum or a message board or something, just find other people that kind of understand you. And, and honestly, for a very long time, I would just get on Facebook. There, there are millions, it seems like of groups. Um, and, and I would just read other people's stories and sob, um, because they felt so similar to mine. And also it was nice to know that there were others out there that kind of got my story because it was their story too. Now my story was uniquely my story, but it was uniquely similar to their story. Um, yeah, so I, I, I agree. I mean, how, how you lose the child is is kind of irrelevant when it comes to, to grief, the loss. Right. What you're what you're grieving. So, um, yeah, when my son passed, that was before the before the internet. Um, it was really a rage. But support groups definitely were um, would be the thing that I think would was was helpful for me, for the same reason you just mentioned, which is to hear other people or see, read other people's stories and realize um, I'm normal, right? Yeah. So it's kind of, um, and I, I use that word because I think it's a subjective term. But I mean, um, feel like you know I'm not all alone. I'm not doing something that's no one else is doing. Not everybody's felt something like this and, yes. and, and they're making it right. They're, they're moving yeah. on. And by moving on, I do not mean forgetting a person by any stretch of the imagination, but they're moving forward, moving forward and just really sort of, again, honoring the, the child and, and they're always going to be part of your life. Um, but you do have a life and you need to live that life and staring at that blank television is not a way to to live um, to live your life. So I appreciate you sharing that. So tell us about your website and your book. So um, tell us the name, and we're going to put a link in when this episode airs, so people can find them. But just tell us kind of what was the obviously the the impetus was your your loss, but you know what kind of drove you to wanting to do a website and write your book. Um. So the website came about because of. Um, basically, you know, I, I wanted to find a way to honor Madeline in a way that was uniquely her, you know, um, I didn't want to do another 5k. There are plenty of 5ks and there are plenty of golf tournaments. I think if those call to you, then do those, you know, if those resonate with you, then that is the best way to honor your child or your loved one. Um, they didn't resonate in my heart. Um, but then one day the, the concept of sharing solace hit me like a bolt of lightning. And I was like, this is it. This is how I'm going to honor Madeline. And so that's how, uh, sharing came about. And so we actually launched, launched the website and the whole, the whole kit and caboodle on her eighth birthday. And kind of the, we say the the mission of sharing solace is to help grievers grieve and lovers love their griever through technology elevated pass alongable gifts that are wrapped in a community of strength and support. So tell us a little about that. What do you mean by wrappable gifts of uh, to the community? <laughs> what, what is that? I know it's it's it sounds way more technical and special you know it sounds very in-depth um so we actually 
have a special design for a necklace and a keychain. And the idea is that you keep these pieces near your heart as long as they bring you comfort. And when they don't bring you that same comfort anymore, they actually open up. There's a middle token. You take out that middle token. You put that middle token into a new locket and you pay that new locket forward onto somebody else you know as they move along their own grief journey. And then the back side of that middle token that you've passed on actually has a unique identifier on it that allows you to register it on our website so you can actually follow it as it moves from person to person. And you can connect with others that have uniquely similar stories. It's a way to feel part of a community when you also feel completely isolated. That is a really super cool thing. I, I, I have never thought of something like that, but that is, that is amazing. I can, I can definitely see where that would be helpful to the person who's, you know, obviously the person who's, who's grieving, but then the pass along part is just so powerful to, to think about. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, wow, this, <laughs> what else, what else can I say about that? That's, that's amazing. So uh, is your book, um, what's the title of your book and, and, and um, is it just the st your story or, or what do you have in there? So the book actually has a pretty long title. It's called Confessions of a Griever, Turning a Hot Mess into an Oat Message, Laughable Lessons for When Life Just Sucks. And it is partially my story. Um, it's partially tips and tricks, some from the quote unquote experts, some just that I've found have worked for me. Uh, but the thing that I like the best about this book is that it mirrors grief in that it is a pick a path book. So at the end of each chapter, you get the option of where to go next. So you're not supposed to read this book in a linear fashion because grief is not linear. You could be almost at the end and have to, you know, go back to the front and then loop around and front and back. And, and there's really no official end to the book. You just kind of stop and take a break and then you pick it back up again. That sounds, that sounds pretty cool too. I'd have to check that out for sure. <laughs> I read a book that did that. I can't remember what it was, but I remember reading a book years ago where it was something like that, where if you got to this point, you've been, you go to page, page what and whatever on there. So that's really a, a an interesting way to do it. And, and I definitely agree with your comment that grief is not linear by any stretch of the imagination. So yeah. Well, is there anything else you would like to share with the listeners? Um, again, we're going to link your, to your website and your book. And uh, but is there anything else that you'd like us to, to, to know? I think more than anything, I hope that the listeners just remember that they're not alone. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, it seems so simple, but it is definitely a, a lesson for people to learn. And and I think you made the comment about, you know, you wanted to be alone and 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 so on, and your your husband wanted to be busy. I think that is is very common. Um, and then, but being alone and feeling alone are are very different things. So to you know to know that there's other people out there who've experienced something similar and you know, they've survived and in a very different way, possibly, but they've, they've survived and made something of, of, um, of their loss, I guess is what I would say about that. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah. So it has been a pleasure to meet you and chat with you. Thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on my podcast. Um, I will definitely, um, yeah, I'm going to check out your website as soon as we're done here. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to this episode of Good Grief. To hear more about my personal story, please pick up a copy of my book, The Day I Became the Spider Killer, a memoir of trauma, tragedy, and survival available in paperback, Kindle, and Audible via Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other online book retailers.